The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. now in the underdog sports fantasy hour i am josh dunn i am joined as always by anshu kana anshu how you doing this evening uh doing all right uh you know backers did not do great but uh my fantasy teams also didn't do great so everything is good how's it going with you uh anshu i'm hanging in there it uh it was a rough weekend for my Bengals, obviously blowing the 21 point lead which in that first quarter they looked so good you knew it was going to end quickly but uh you know other than that fantasy it was a mixed bag this weekend for me and I, i'm just excited to try to try to rebound i won in two and lost in two and it's just it's a tale of, of four leagues for me i've got two great starts and two very very mediocre starts but that's why we play the game right uh, we want to try to get back on course mm-hmm. and 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 that's what we're here to do. So I want to talk about uh, some of the key storylines from week six. We're just going to touch on the top storylines like we've done the last couple weeks. We're not going to go through every single game individually. And then as we've done those last couple weeks, we're going to get to every single game on the preview for week seven. We'll go through all the lines on BovadaSportsBook.com. We'll talk about how it imp- imp- impacts your fantasy lineups and go through some of our predictions for the week. So without further ado, Anshu, why don't we get to week seven? Wanted to start with the... Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to start with the Patriots. So I think that it's it, – why the reason I wanted to start with this game in particular is because you and I were texting before this game, and we both saw it the same way. I, I just – I was so surprised to see the Patriots' offense looked so inept against a Denver defense that's not not terrible, right? They're, they're probably a middle-of-the-road defense, but they make Drew yeah. Locke look bad. He throws two interceptions in this game. The, the Denver's offense did not look good. They they win it with six field goals. But the surprise to me here is that Cam Newton couldn't really get things going. I know he had a pretty decent day on the ro- uh, on the ground, but couldn't really get things going. Couldn't get receivers involved. Aside from Cam Newton, Cam Newton, they couldn't run the ball. Are you hitting the panic button if you're if you're a Patriots fan right now at two and three? Uh, I mean, I think the one reason for some panic might be that I thought Cam looked very bad throwing the football in this game. Now, he was running around a decent amount, obviously, as he has all season. And I I don't know. I like I, I thought that, you know, from a fantasy perspective, if you had Cam, I think it ended up fine despite that passing line just because, you know, the, the cheat code that is 10 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown is just such a saving grace. And it undoes the, you know, 157 yards, zero touchdowns, two picks that you get out of him and through the air. But I thought that the shoulder looked bad. And, you know, for a guy coming off COVID and, you know, we don't know necessarily what the ramifications are. We're both White Sox fans. We saw what it, what it may have done to Yon Moncada last year. I mean, it, it affects different people differently. And this is a very injury prone player despite his stature. And so am I hitting the panic button? Maybe not fully, but I'm I my ears are up, you know. Like I, I would be concerned about Cam if I'm a New England fan. You snuck into the room where the panic panic button lies. I I, I think that's, <laughs> that's I think, right. I mean, you you have it, it two and three. It, you're right. It's not time to completely panic. And you know, yes, we did see that with with Moncada, and 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 certainly, you know, it, it affects people differently, like you mentioned, aren't you? But you know, you're you're coming off of an injury a season ago, and you don't have a ton of weapons. I mean, they're trying to get Nikhil Harry involved. They're trying to get Julian Edelman back to form. And they just, these guys have not been consistent for him. Now you're bringing up a guy who has spent the first part of the season on IR to be your lead back. And you still have a committee outside of that. So it's just, I think that they're still trying to figure out what their identity is with Cam at quarterback. And then obviously the COVID situation completely throws a wrench into that. You, you, the defense did look good as a bend don't break uh, kind of a game, but 
you should look better than a Ben Don't Break against a Denver team. I mean, obviously they get the turnovers, and but but Philip Lindsay runs for a hundred yards in this game after he's coming back from injury. It just it's kind of a game where you hope it's an anomaly when you look back on it in this season for the Patriots because if not, if this is a sign of things to come, it could get ugly here quickly for the Patriots. But we'll keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. The other team in the AFC East that I wanted to touch on was the Miami Dolphins. They win the uh, against the Jets, which. Is, is not the story here. They win 24 to nothing. Fitzpatrick has three touchdowns in the first half. He does throw two interceptions in the second half. Didn't look great. Didn't have to look great because the Jets are obviously atrocious. But it's announced today, as we're recording on Tuesday, that the Dolphins, after their bye, which they're on here in week seven, are going to go to Tua Tagovailoa. Did I get that right? So that's, I think you got it. You're the, I, I, Hey, you're the, the pronunciation master, <laughs> man. I defer to you on all pronunciation matters. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it, but whatever I can be good at on this show, I'll take because the predictions, which we'll get to, we're not, uh, but, but it, it surprised me a little bit. I mean, I, I selfishly, I, I, I'm a Fitzpatrick owner. I traded for him in our two quarterback league, but take that out of the equation completely. The dolphins are three and three going into a bye. They, completely destroyed San Francisco a week ago in San Francisco and Fitzpatrick was playing extremely well. So I, I get what it, what it means in every other way than a football perspective. But if you're a football team trying to win games, sitting at 500 to me, this just does not make sense. I get that he's the future of the organization. And for the record, so does Ryan Fitzpatrick. He knows. I mean, you saw when he got in for those last five plays or whatever whatever it was last week. Fitzpatrick was raising the roof, trying to get the fans involved, excited to see him in there. He sure. knows he's passing the torch at some point. And I expect that the Dolphins, if they didn't start to, to uh, this next game, that they would probably end up starting him in a week or two after that just because you assume the Dolphins are probably going to get back to being the Dolphins and lose games. I'm just kind of surprised that it happened now. It seems like it was almost calculated to a point where the Dolphins always knew that this bye week was going to be when they would hand over the torch to Tua. Completely agree. I mean, I it had to have been a pre-planned move because, you know, you, you look ahead at the schedule. They've got two weeks ahead of the bye. Um, you know, they look at this. They've got a home game against the Rams and they get – you know, the, the Cardinals, which is, you know, not a not a terrifying defense, I would say, but it's a good way to, like, lean into the bye. They had the plan to put him in the game, I think, probably late in the game before just to make sure the hip was okay, take a hit or two. But, man, I, I mean, I, I think it probably surprised even the Dolphins themselves how good they've been because you said they're 3-3, three and three, but listen, they are, they've won 3 of 4, and around those games, the game they lost, they had the Seahawks beat in the fourth quarter had it not been for a Russell Wilson comeback. And they lost to the Bills before that, 31-28. to This team could be 5-1 and one very easily. And remember, week one was against the Patriots, which wasn't exactly a blowout either, 21-11. So I'm just saying, like, these Dolphins, you're right, could be the Dolphins. But I think that a lot of the credit deserves to go to Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think that there is something to be said about, you know, like, Fine, maybe this was all predetermined, but I, I, I mean, if it was, I think that Fitzpatrick certainly earned the right to change their plans based on the way he's playing. Like, you know, I'm I'm a big stats guy, obviously, but like this is like at some point you have to look at wins and losses, and the way that they're playing and the amount of belief the team has in the quarterback, I, I, I mean, I'm stunned candidly. Like, I could not believe when we were texting today and you guys said that. To have got the nod because I just I I cannot believe you know that Fitzpatrick gets mentioned. Maybe maybe it's telegraphing a trade for for Fitzpatrick to somebody. Maybe there's you know a team like say Dallas or someone that wants him. Um, I, it would not shock me because I think he deserves to be a starting quarterback in this league right now. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I don't know that I think I don't know that Dallas is ready to hit the panic button on Dalton. I know he didn't perform well on Monday night, but they should have watched tape on him on Monday night before they signed him to a three million dollar deal with incentives. Um that's just not his bread and butter. You hope that if they do make the playoffs somehow it's if they get the day game because otherwise they are screwed. But um yeah, I, I Like I said, I think you understand it from every other perspective but a football perspective because if you're looking at just the game on the field, yeah, he's made a few mistakes. He's thrown a few interceptions, but he's won you football games, kept you in football games. I just – it's hard for me to understand. And to be honest, especially like going up against the Rams because that's a game as a Dolphins – if you're you're Flores, you're the Dolphins head coach, that's a game – 
you go into every game thinking you're going to win, but I, I would expect them to lose that game. And it's not that they have a great defense, but they have playmakers on defense that can make you look bad. Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. They have guys that, I mean, I, I would not be surprised if, if Aaron Donald is into his face that entire game. So why not yeah. put Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. out there for one more game coming off of the bye, but work to uh, give him more reps going mm-hmm. into the bye, give him more reps in practice, have Fitzpatrick play that game against the Rams, assume they get killed, and then understand that if we don't play well in that game against the Rams, we're going to Tua the following game. Like, I just, I don't get yeah. not making that decision. But clearly, I, I, don't, I don't know if the Dolphins are a team that is really that interested in, in winning football games. I, I, I think that this, yeah. is, like I said, it was a calculated decision. They've been used to being bad for so long now that I feel like they drafted Tua because they know it's going to bring attention to their organization. And he's one of those... He's one of those transcendent players that that he's going to sell jerseys. People are ex- genuinely excited uh, to see him play. I mean, he's been on a big stage and he's excited and I mean, obvi- we are, obviously, right? yeah, like, no, I, I'm, I'm excited to see him for sure, for but, sure. Yeah. But, it, it, but if you, if you, if I'm a Dolphins fan and I and I want to win, which obviously I always want the Bengals to win, even if they go four and twelve. So mm-hmm. for me, is that that type of a fan? I just I don't get it, but. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out because, like you said, Fitzpatrick is still – his services are still available. The trade deadlines in a few weeks, uh, you know, whether or not he goes somewhere like a Jacksonville or a Dallas or who knows, uh, it remains to be seen. But I just – I don't know about the timing. I hope that uh, for, for the Dolphins' sake, I'm proven wrong and Tua ends up being way better. And I just I – don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Kyler Murray, I didn't mm. expect him to be as good as he's been this early. But – I just feel like in the NFL, the players who, the quarterbacks especially, who get an opportunity to sit a little bit longer and learn tend to tend to be better. You see it with Mahomes. You've seen it with countless quarterbacks dating back over the years. And I just feel like Tua could have benefited from, especially coming off of a hip injury like that, a few more weeks of learning. But who For am sure. I? Who Completely am I sitting agree. here from my ivory tower? I'm with you Completely. All right, let's move on, Anju. I know you don't want to talk about this, but we have to. The Packers, no. uh, we, we, you know, we were both really high on them going into this game against the Bucks. I, I wasn't really a believer in the Bucks uh, coming into this game, but they proved me wrong. Uh, Gronk has his big coming out party. Ronald Jones is on a bit of a tear right now, and Tom Brady does enough. I mean, he didn't have to do much, but they, they were just in control, and, and really it came down to their defense in this game, turning the ball over. Uh, obviously Aaron Rodgers playing his worst game of the season. They couldn't really get Aaron Jones involved. It just Devonte Adams first game back. He, he, it seemed like he was maybe a, a step behind. I, I don't know. You tell me what you saw as a fan. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think it was just one of those days, man. Like they were just, they were, they were sluggish. I mean, the weird thing is they got out to that lead, but you know, even then Rodgers has come out and said, you know, we were doing stuff that wasn't on schedule and you know, it was, it was kind of like the free wheeling style. And even in those drives, the free play type of stuff that worked with McCarthy occasionally, but was really like empty calorie stuff. And so um, I think that he was pretty disappointed in the game plan. Um, I thought that, you know, especially off the bye, the Packers should have looked a lot better. They did not look, you know, fresher or, you know, you know, clean in any way really, because they were, they were just getting beaten around. And I think that this Bucks defense is one that we've got to look at going forward. I know, you know, like obviously they give up 30 plus to the, the chargers, but um, other than that, they've been really good. They are very fast. And when you have two middle linebackers, like they had and Levante David and uh, Devin white, I mean, they were all over everything the Packers wanted to do. And it's very surprising to me because the Packers were by far the healthiest they've been all season. So, you know, you bring back Kenny Clark, you bring back Devonte Adams, um, you know, you expect a much better performance. And the, here's just the reality. Aaron Rodgers, like, killed them in that game. I mean, he's thrown two pick sixes his entire career. He throws his third on a terrible pass in this game that is no one's fault but his own. Um, and, you know, like, the Packers, I'm sure their defense would have found a way to blow it for them, but their offense did more than enough to to do that anyway. So, I, you know, big-time opportunity for them this week against the Texans to change the narrative. But, you know, that's that's an ugly one against a team that they're likely to see in the postseason. Um, and, you know, it's it definitely it's hard to ignore the, the parallels to what happened against the 49ers last year off of a bye. 
Yeah, and, and he did not look comfortable back there in the pocket. Obviously, they had, uh, you know, just no time to throw. I think Bakhtiari went down at some point yeah. in the game. So, you know, that's yeah. that's a huge loss. I don't know what his status is going forward, I, but I, I would hope that he, they get him back because they need him. Yeah, he should be able to play. should be able to play next week. Good to hear. Well, we're, we're going to touch on that, and you're right. Mm-hmm. They do have a big chance for a get-right game. What about the Niners? They're not dead, aren't you? I, I was so wrong in every way about this game. I thought the Rams were going to come out and absolutely <laughs> – put a whooping on the Niners, but this is what happens in the NFL. I mean, you just, you have these ebbs and flows where you think a team is dead. And then it, the, the Niners are that kind of team. They're, they're the kind of team that, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll surprise you. And this is definitely was a surprise for me, but I, I was wrong about the game itself. And Cam Akers breakout game guy gets zero touches. <laughs> I think he was in for like one snap the entire game. So, but it does, so it does kind of, unmuddy the waters a little bit for me from a fantasy standpoint it seems like and and daryl henderson looked really good in this game he had a touchdown Mm. that was called back he had a long run that was called back um he looked really good in this game and i feel like even though they didn't run the ball a ton he gets 14 carries for 88 yards it seems like sean mcveigh and just as soon as i say this this will change but it seems like they're (laughs) they're they're ready to now say that daryl henderson is the true rb1 in in uh la I think so. I think you're right. I, I'm gonna. It's gonna be fascinating because you know who they've got next on Monday night is the Bears, and yep. so you know, like how they approach that game with these running backs is going to be fascinating to me. Um, I, I do think that they're. I don't think that Sean McVay is like um like a Bruce Arians with the lip service thing and just saying one thing and then doing it completely different. Like I think that his plan was to get Acres the ball. But the game just got so weirdly, not out of hand, but just like off schedule for them that I think that they were kind of forced into Henderson. Henderson forced the issue himself, like you said. I mean, even with those callbacks, he still averaged over six yards a carry. I mean, that is impressive. And it's almost like they're fighting him at times because he looks clearly to me like the bat. I know that Akers had some flashes and, you know, I, I still think that he could be given that opportunity, you know, just as good as Henderson. But, you know, when you've got something working, I don't know why you don't ride it out. And, you know, Henderson is working for them for sure. He gets game scripted out, though, when they're behind. I mean, he can't pass block. That's the knock on him. So whenever they're mm-hmm. playing from behind and that they were forced to throw a lot in this game and Goff did not look great, that that's when he gets game scripted out. But, but what about the Niners? Do mm-hmm. you think that this Niners win, it, it kind of makes them relevant again? Or do you think this was a bit of a fluky performance by them? Because Garoppolo looked good. <sighs> If you ask me which game was flukier, this or getting the shit kicked out of them against the Dolphins, I'll say that one. was It's somewhere in between. Um, I think the Rams are the better team, but, like, you know, it's 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 somewhere in between. And I, I don't think that the Niners are – you know, I, I don't – I really think the Niners are a very fringy playoff team, and I don't think they strike the fear into anyone's hearts like they did last year. And now, again, Mostert's hurt. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I lean towards them not being what they look like in this game for the large majority of it. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I just I, I'm still not a believer. This certainly helped a bit. I mean, Debo Samuel got involved a little bit in this one for them. Obviously, he's coming back from injury. Uh, this is only his second game back. Kittle looks good. He has over 100 yards and a touchdown again. And, and Garoppolo, oh, I think that, that's the key for the, the Niners is which Garoppolo are we going to see? And if it's this Garoppolo that we saw against the Rams, the Niners can be relevant. If it's the Garoppolo we saw the week before, then absolutely not. So uh, mm-hmm. they they have an opportunity to prove some things, um, but uh, I, I certainly don't, I'm not I'm not fully a, a believer again. All right, let's let's touch on two more mm-hmm. quick quick storylines and and actually we'll, let's call it three. The the one I wanted to kind of lump together. So the Chiefs win big on Monday night. Uh, this is a game that the Bills did not look great in. Josh Allen especially did not look great in. And then the Ravens. I I just. The, the way they let the Eagles come back and the way that they're throwing the ball right now, I mean, it's good that they're on a bye. I don't I don't get this Ravens team. They can't run the ball outside of Lamar Jackson. He doesn't look great throwing the ball. And if you get pressure on him, I don't know if he's still a little bit banged up or what. I know he had the, the slight mm-hmm. knee injury before the Bengals game. I just – I don't know. I, I feel like these two teams are going completely opposite directions. The Chiefs will get Le'Veon Bell, which we'll get to, and we talked about last week. But the Chiefs look like they're kind of the, the class of the AFC right now, which nobody's surprised by. And the Ravens feel like, even though they're winning games, they just feel like, to me, they're kind of fluky, even with that record that they have. 
could not agree with you more. I mean, aside from that first game against the Browns, like they they've looked horrible to me. I, and that that is aside from the defense, but Lamar. but the defense letting letting the Eagles come back in. Yeah, I, yeah, the defense has been really really good. But you know, like even I don't know, they gave up thirty four to Kansas City. If you're an awesome defense, you know, I think that you're able to at least keep that somewhat interesting. They got just played with by Andy Reid in that game and, and Mahomes. So. I don't know that I guess that taste is still in my mouth, but um, you know, like even against the Bengals, like we talked about, like it, that was a blowout, but it, it didn't feel like one to me, like just in terms of that offense, you know, doing what it did last year where they were hanging, you know, 35, 42 points at ease and that, and you know, Lamar Jackson sitting out for the fourth quarter. I mean, it's just not the same thing. And if you look at Jackson, he's only thrown for his high on the season is 204 passing yards. Yikes. And I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's crazy to me for the MVP. I know that he's mainly a runner, but that's just not going to cut it. You know, and, and I don't think by, that's by design by any means either. I, I would look at some point to JK Dobbins to open stuff up for them. Like I, he has not been super impressive. And I think if he was better, we would know, but I just, I got to think that there's something going on where teams have sort of, figured out how to slow their like normal kind of plotting offense that that's how I think of it, at least right now with Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards. And I think that you just got to get a more versatile guy out of the backfield. And I do think Dobbins at least gives them a different sort of feel. And, you know, Marquise Brown just got to catch some more, some more passes because that's where a lot of their yards come. And then, you know, when you look at the team, I think that a team that's kind of running in parallel with the Ravens just without the wins is the bills. Like I, I think that, you know, Josh Allen came out early this season. It looked like he might have a Jackson-type year, honestly, like just in terms of running and passing and just exploding the ball down the field. And I know that the weather played a role in this game. But, man, he I think he he's taken a major step back in these last two games. And, you know, while he's still getting you fantasy points with his legs, like I just – I think the Bills are, are proving to be kind of like a, a very good team but not a real contender. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a very fair point. And I yeah, I, I mean Josh Allen, I know he had such a such a big start and everybody's talking about him as an MVP candidate through four games. I I, I didn't I don't know that I was a true believer in, in that that hype and I, mm-hmm. I I know he has a, a big arm. I know he's got weapons around him now. I think Le'Veon Bell would have been a great fit there because Devin Singletary yeah. has been terrible. I mean, he cannot he cannot break tackles. Obviously, he's a smaller guy. Zach Moss has been hurt. I just I don't know how I feel about this Bills team as the season wears on. Now they'll get an opportunity to prove themselves multiple times here. They've got some big games on the schedule coming up. But I just I just I'm not I'm not there yet with them. I I, I feel like mm-hmm. the Baltimore is probably a step ahead just because of their defense. The Bills defense. It's, it hasn't been good. Um, you know, obviously in that first half against the Chiefs, it looked a little bit better, but the Bills' defense has not been great. Uh, it would, coming into the season, you expected that to be their key strength. I just, I'm not there yet. So we'll, we'll get, to, we'll, we'll get mean, to more of the Bills. But Their last two games, they had a chance against good teams. They, they had stopped by Kansas City in a game that wasn't as close as 26-17 indicates. And before that, remember, they went to Tennessee and lost 42-16. to So... Yep. You know, they are not – they're playing the class of the AFC and not holding up by any means. Yeah, I mean, we could be talking them as the fifth or sixth best team in the AFC. Uh, yep. We'll see. All right, last yeah. thing real quick before we get to the, the Week 7 slate, the Cowboys. I just – you know, I don't want to I don't want to spend too much time on this. Obviously, it's Andy Dalton and it's prime time. We kind of joked about. But uh, I think the, the Cowboys are, are – is it safe to say that this team is dead without Dak? I mean, they're a dead first place in their division team, but yeah. I, I, yeah, exactly. That's true. I I guess. I mean, like anything can happen once you're in the tournament, especially with the home playoff game to start. And right now I would still say they are, I probably wouldn't pick them over the Eagles, but man, they are, you know, they, they've just lucked out and had the easiest division of all time. And, you know, even with Andy Dalton, I think they're, you know, you've said in the past too, like he's got the pieces around him. He still throws he completes 34 passes in this game. I know a lot of that was garbage time, but the defense, you know, there's, though. there's stuff out there for them. The They're so bad. Their defense I mean, is horrendous. It, it was, they've given up more points through six games than any team since like 19, what was it? 60 or something. I forget that <laughs> they showed the graphic, but it was, it was just so bad. I mean, they're just they can't stop anybody. They lose. Uh, they lost a couple players to injury in this game. They're just. I mean, they're they're so bad. They did get Leighton Vander Esch back, but they're just giving up 
the it, it's like like they look like the Bengals defense to me, which I watch it week in and week out. But they like when when the the, the uh, Colts were coming back last week, it's it's Philip Rivers, right? He's been horrible this mm-hmm. season. Yes, they have a good offensive mm-hmm. line. We got no pressure on him, but he's slinging the ball around. Throws for like I think he had the most most uh, yards in a second half this year. Like you expected it almost. I just. With this Dallas team, like nobody is scared of them. Washington will go play Dallas, and they'll they'll have a bunch of yards and points. It's just such the a Giants bad defense. Just did it yeah, last week. and yeah. we're going to talk about Dallas because they're playing Washington this week. Yeah, so yeah. so we'll we'll talk more about that uh, here in a few minutes. But I just I, I feel felt like we had to touch on it. Arizona bounce back game for them. Kenyon Drake has the big run to to solidify his good night. Hopkins has a slow night, but he really didn't have to do much. Kyler Murray only completed nine passes in this game, for God's sake. He looked horrible, horrible he did. in this he game. Missed a few, he missed a few uh, big ones, too. Yeah, he did. I Yeah, I mean, no disagreements from me on the Cowboys' defense. I thought, you know, there were ways for this game to not end up the way it did. I mean, you don't count on two Zeke fumbles. You don't count on a horrible interception on Dalton. That was that should, or a missed, horrible missed call, I should say, on the Dalton interception. Um, should have definitely been pass interference. Uh, Amari Cooper basically gets tackled, but by, know, by Dalton's former those, teammate Drake Kirkpatrick. That's right. That's right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That was just a complete miss. But you know, overall, like the Cowboys with Dalton were not deserving of being on the same field as the Cardinals on Kyler Murray's worst day. So that's that's not a great sign for them in the playoffs. Yeah, it's a it's just a weird situation with them right now. All right, let's get let's get to week seven, shall we? I think that uh, mm-hmm. I think we talked enough about week six. That's in the past. Let's get to week seven. We've got some big games on the slate for this weekend, starting with Thursday night. Which I mean, it's oh, NFC man. East. I love the NFC East. You know that about me. <laughs> New York Giants will go to Philadelphia. Bovada's got it at four and a half in favor of the home Eagles. This is a dumpster fire of a game, but. Fantasy wise, there there's some 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 opportunity here. I think. I mean, obviously Boston Scott's looking like he's going to get an opportunity. He should be a big waiver pickup. You've got the Giants who stink. Um, so I don't I, I don't I don't really know what you can get out of them fantasy wise. But but the Eagles may they may get uh, Deshaun Jackson back. They may get Alshon Jeffrey back. And Travis Fulgham has been phenomenal these last two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. Fulgham and and Boston Scott are definitely the names to watch here. I mean, Devontae Freeman has quietly become clearly the lead back with the Giants for whatever that's worth. And, you know, if you're in a two-quarterback league, Daniel Jones is starting for you. I, I mean, Evan Ingram starting. Now Zach Ertz is hurt. Now, you know, they don't have a tight end. You might be starting Richard Rodgers if you're in a bad spot. I mean, it's it's going to be a really ugly game. Miles Sanders, of course, probably not playing. That was the inference on uh, on Boston Scott. And so I don't know. It's it's not going to be fun. It was already a bad game. And now, you know, I, I mean, I, yeah, you got to think that Carson Wentz has a good game here. If he doesn't have a good game, then it's all over. Yeah, he has to. I mean, four and a half, you hope he gets some weapons back. He, he absolutely has to. And the Giants are a good get right. I mean, Kyle Allen had a good game against them last week, for God's sake. So you would, you would think that uh, if, the, if there's going to be an opportunity for Carson Wentz, if he doesn't play well here – we could be talking about Jalen Hurts here in a week or two, um, but oh, uh, yeah, not not uh, not an exciting game on Thursday night. But at least we have football on Thursday this week, so that's I guess a good thing. Yeah. All right. What what about Buffalo and the Jets? Uh, let's just keep on the trend of horrible games. We'll go from the NFC East to the AFC East. Buffalo traveling to quite possibly the worst kept field in the league, according to most of the NFL. But the Jets. Home dogs, 13. I mean, I just laugh looking at this line here on Bovada. It's a 45-and-a-half point over-under. The, the Bills might score that themselves. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, what does the line have to be for you to bet on the Jets? 17-and-a-half? 21-and-a-half? I, mean, no, I would never bet on them. I would never bet on the Jets in this game. Never. And, and yeah, yeah, Flacco's probably going to start again, right? It doesn't sound like Darnold's necessarily yeah. guaranteed to come back this week. I, I don't know that he's necessarily guaranteed to come back like anytime soon. Like if you're the Jets, I, I don't know what you what incentive you have to throw him back out there. Like I, I honestly, because you're gonna draft, you want Lawrence, you want to go no, draft number one. I mean, Darnold gives you your best chance at winning. I don't know. I, I I would just keep trotting Flacco's corpse out there until he dies, and then maybe uh, dies again. <laughs> I should say, and then. You know, and then maybe revive Sam Darnold to see ghosts. I mean, you because because 
at least you have some trade value right now with Darnold, and you know maybe you get a third or something from some team with an old quarterback. But I, I mean, it's bad. It's just really bad. And if you've, I, I would say this though, from a fantasy perspective, if you've got like Devin Singletary, this is the week you've just been living yep. your jobs for because. This is the game script is going to be so positive. Even Zach Moss, it would not surprise me at all if he has a big game here too. Yep, those are the guys. I I definitely think that the backfield. I mean, you you you. If they don't, then it's then just give up on Singletary and trade him. If he doesn't have mm-hmm. fifteen plus points in this game, and against the Jets, when you're going to be running the ball just because you're going to be up by so many points. I mean, your defense might have as many points as your offense, but you still are going to have a lot of opportunities. So if if Devin Singletary doesn't have a good game here, and I do have him in a, I think two leagues. I mean, if he doesn't have a good game here, it's, it's probably an opportunity for me to try to get out from under him. Yeah, I think so. I think if he doesn't get it done here, it's, you know, it's going to be, there's not going to be a better script for him than this. Agreed. All right. What about uh, finally a good game? We're two ga- two games through and uh, here we finally get a good one. All right. What about Carolina and new Orleans, new Orleans coming off of the bye? Michael Thomas should play this time unless he punches another one of his teammates in practice, but the Saints on Bovada, seven and a half point favorites. We've got a big number here, 51. Doesn't look like McCaffrey's back, but it sounds like he's maybe one week away, which means if you've got Mike Davis, which aren't you, I know you do in at least one league, this might be the last time that you can say Mike Davis is going to just rack up points. But hey, if you could transition from Mike Davis back to Christian McCaffrey, I think you're doing okay, my friend. Yeah, I I mean, had to pay for it, unfortunately, but uh, no complaints on that front. Yeah, I mean, Mike Davis is slowly kind of, it hasn't been as good, at least not last week. And, you know, it's, it's, he's been, you know, what, 70% Christian McCaffrey probably over the course of the season, which is, which is great because McCaffrey is obviously, you know, deserving of a number one pick in most leagues. And so, you know, it's, it's a, it'll be a fond farewell to, to Mike Davis. I don't think they'll use much of him at all after uh, McCaffrey comes back. But yeah, I mean, I think the Saints team is, it's been weird, you know, with these buys. Sometimes it's just out of sight, out of mind. And I, I, I feel like we haven't talked about them at all in forever, it feels like. And now you've got Michael Thomas, as you say, coming back. And I just kind of get the feeling that they are going to get hot now, um, you know, after that kind of like slow start. And I'm eager to see if. You know, it looked like Breeze was pretty washed. How he looks with Thomas back is going to be very interesting to me. Yeah, you would think that they try to get Thomas involved early and often. And obviously Alvin Kamara has been one of the top fantasy performers so far this season. So you you expect fireworks here. But I would would say, I mean, the Saints defense has been much worse than than you would expect them Mm -hmm. to be. So for Carolina, I mean, obviously Robbie Anderson's been a target hog. DJ Moore had a big game last week. Uh, and, and obviously we talked about Mike Davis. I think that there's still fantasy value, even with Teddy Bridgewater. If you're if you're like me and you have a bye quarterback like a Lamar Jackson, you, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, even though the Saints have the reputation of being good against the pass, they have not been this year. Yeah, totally. I mean, Bridgewater, again, just been such a revelation. I thought he still looked good against the Bears last week. Obviously, the Bears, that bend but don't break in the red zone type of defense to help them get that win. But, you know, this... This Panthers team is exciting to me. And I think when you add McCaffrey back into the mix, it's only going to add to the value really of, of Bridgewater in my mind. So um, I don't know that I like them to cover this, but I do think that the over to your point, I think was what you're implying is a very enticing one here, even without McCaffrey. Like I think that you could see a lot of back and forth in this game in the past game. Yeah. 51, not a bad number and very close to the number of this next game. Bengals Browns 50 and a half here on Bovada. The Bengals are home underdogs. Yeah. They cover a lot of spreads this season, but they can't seem to win a game. They're at home against the Browns. The Browns obviously looked horrible last weekend against the Steelers. I know we didn't talk about it, but the Browns looked atrocious. Baker Mayfield gets benched during the game. They're saying that he didn't suffer any setbacks and he'll start and play. And obviously going up against the Bengals, the Bengals will probably make Baker Mayfield look like an all pro, but this is a huge game for the Browns. They're four and two. The Bengals are not a pushover. They've proven that they, they can mm-hmm. play with teams. And Joe Burrow was an interception away from potentially winning that game last week against, against the Colts. So I, I, I know this may sound biased and trust me, it's not because I think the Bengals are terrible no. and are going to lose every game. I would not be surprised if the Bengals come out and beat the Browns here, especially after A.J. Green looks good again last week. T. Higgins has a big, big game with over 100 yards for the first time in his career. The the one thing that does concern me with the Bengals right now is that they're, every single player on their defense has basically come out disappointed in their role, disappointed in the coaching staff. 
there's starting to become this cancer growing within the team that really concerns me. And I, I feel like if that continues down that path and Carlos Dunlap has come out and, and voiced his frustration, uh, Darius Phillips, I believe it was, who was on Twitter, and then a few other guys responded, including Joe Mixon. I mean, it, it's getting kind of ugly. And when the players start to turn on the coaching staff, that's where I, I worry a little bit about the future of an organization. And for me, I hope they fire Zach Taylor, so I'm all for it. But I don't know how much I can really have faith in them winning any any more games if if the team's turning against the coaching staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I get it. But I think that there's there's a little bit of that on both sides. I mean, there's I'm a big where there's smoke, there's fire guy, and there's so much smoke around Beckham potentially getting traded and, you know, Mayfield being benched and all this stuff. I mean, it, it is ugly on both sides of, of this game. And I think that, you know, like on the field, the Bengals match up pretty well with the Browns to me. Like, you know, even when the Browns are were on this win streak, I mean, they give up 30 to the Bengals. They give up 20 to the Washington football team, 38 to the Cowboys, 20 or 23 to the Colts, 38 to the Steelers. That is not like a, a winning team defense by any means. And it's not like their offense is like, gangbusters or anything so I think that there's definitely the chance for the Bengals to just win a you know win a kind of explosive type of game here and you know who knows if they win that like what it might mean for the Browns and you know there is no team that is more up and down on a week-to-week basis than Cleveland is as far as like what the media interprets their performance as and so you know I, I think that there's a real chance like if the Bengals keep doing what they're doing offensively and spreading it out and just getting the ball out quickly like they've got a good shot. They have, I agree. They have a great shot at winning this game. I really don't get why they're three point dogs at home because it implies that the Browns are, you know, nine point favorites at home. I, I don't get that. Yeah, I don't see that either. I, I, I like the Bengals to cover. I, I'm glad it's three and a half and not three because I wouldn't feel as good about three here looking looking at Bovada. But uh, mm. I, I don't hate it. I don't I, money line minus uh, or plus one fifty. That's 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 not the worst money in the world. Um, mm-hmm. so, but yeah, that's going to be a fun game. Obviously it's the second time we've played the Browns. would love to see them just bring Baker Mayfield down in a, in, a, in flames. But, <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I, am I've been, I've seen this before. Baker is going to come out and have a great game and everything will be hunky dory in, in, in Cleveland again. Uh, all right, let's go to Dallas, Washington. The Washington football team did come out today that they're probably going to be the Washington football team again next year, which is clearly a troll by, so. by the organization. It's, it's, it's absurd, but uh, I'm seeing it as even I've seen it one point to Dallas, but uh, on Bovada, they've got it at even, which that's pretty telling. And we were just talking about how bad it's getting for Dallas. The fact that they're even against a Washington football team under Kyle Allen as the quarterback is very telling mm-hmm. as how, how bad it really is in Dallas. Yeah. Can't disagree with that. Um, but that being said, I, I really do think that, that this is a great chance to capitalize on a line that I think is, you know, no one wants to, you know, bite their lip and bat on the Cowboys right now. Like, no one wants to do that after seeing what they looked like on Monday night. But again, that game was so fluky to me, not in terms of them losing, like they obviously deserve to lose, but it shouldn't have looked like that. And I do think that they'll come off the mat. If they just turn the ball turn around and hand the ball to Zeke 30 times, they'll win this game. So to me, it's it's a no-brainer to bet the Dallas Cowboys in this game. If he doesn't fumble it twice. In a well, row. yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, that was, that was really where that game went off the rails. I, I yeah. was surprised to see it. They did, you know, bring in Pollard for uh, quite a few plays there back-to-back. But, uh, you know, you would expect Zeke to, to, to bounce back and, and have a big game in this one. So to your mm-hmm. point, I, I do think that it, it is uh, – it's an opportunity for them to get right against a pretty pretty bad Washington team. But Washington's defense much better than Dallas's. And, you know, sure. we talked about how bad Kyle Allen is. I I wouldn't be surprised to see Washington put up points against this Dallas team because oh, it's just God. the defense is just so bad, which we talked about. So mm-hmm. it, it's probably not a game I'll pay much attention to in that 12 o'clock slot. But there are going to be some storylines that we'll talk about next week as a result, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep it rolling through the 12 o'clock games, Detroit and Atlanta. Atlanta actually favored in this game by two and a half on Bovada. Obviously, they get their first win of the season last week, which we didn't talk about. Detroit, uh, you know, Detroit, I, I feel like they're a team this year that could maybe go 500. Matt Stafford's been a little bit inconsistent. Kenny Galladay was banged up. DeAndre Swift, I think, is the story there fantasy-wise. I mean, he has his first really big game last week. He, he probably is going to start to 
to chip more away at uh, the Adrian Peterson touches. And it looks like Detroit maybe has a few guys that they can build on for the future. Huge number here, 56 and a half. The, the other storyline, though, aren't you? And this one came out today as well. Atlanta, there's rumblings across the league that they could trade ahead of the trade deadline some of their stars like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. I don't know that I buy into those smoke stories, but it would be interesting to see if they would start to dismantle here early this early in the season. Yeah, I, I just don't know how you do that before you bring in like a new GPM. You know, they made the unconventional move of firing Thomas Dimitrov, you know, early in the season. And so, again, like who's the person that's bringing in, you know, guys to work out and who's making these trades? I mean, I, I don't know. And, and I don't know, like unless you just get blown away with it, you know, an absolutely objectively amazing trade. I, I just don't know how you do that. But Maybe, maybe Julio is one of those guys. I mean, Julio's 31 years old. He's the same age as AJ. And, you know, so many people have been saying AJ Green is washed. I, I, like, if anyone's had the injuries over a career, it's Julio. And I, I, that would concern me, too. So I don't know what that value is if you're trading for him. And I don't know who makes that decision. But there are definitely pieces, as we saw last week in scoring 40 on the Vikings, there are definitely pieces on this offense that people would want. Uh, you know, to bring onto their team and might be the difference between a Super Bowl champion and, you know, maybe just a playoff team. So that'd be, it'd be fun to see some of those guys scattered across the league, but I, I just don't see it. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, when I saw that story and I hate when those types of stories come out, like sources in the league say they wouldn't be surprised. It's like, okay. I mean, come on. You're just trying, it's clickbait. That, that, that's, yeah, it's, sure. it's clickbait. I don't see it either. Mm-hmm. And I do see that they. The, I, I think the, the Falcons could could easily come out and win this game. I, this game is actually throw out the records. This game is actually pretty interesting to me because there is a lot of fantasy implication. This is one of those games that you'll probably see pop up on the Red Zone Channel quite a few times because these two teams should score. Uh, so, mm-hmm. if, if nothing else, this is one of those games that you know I, I'm not really emotionally tied to it, but it, it is it is one of those fun ones that you probably will have eyes on even if you don't want to during the day. Yep, totally. And I don't want to because I don't own anyone on either of these teams, I don't think. Same. But uh, I wish I did because I think I have Ridley in one league. One. That's about oh, it. Oh, there you go. All right, yeah. what about Packers Texans on you? I, I I know that you want to see your Packers come out and just put an absolute whooping on the Texans, but they've been a little bit better, and the line suggests that they've gotten better. The Packers still road favorites, three and a half points here on Bovada. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to come out and have the game of his season, which he's already had a few good ones, but the Texans secondary just not very good. Agreed. And, um, you know, if you buy into a little of what Rodgers is implying in some of his pressers about the grass at Tampa being pretty high, like, you know, this is going to be on the turf at Reliant and it's going to be, or NRG, I guess it's called now. And it's going to be a track meet. I I think on both sides. Reliant still. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, dude, I, and now that Watson's throwing the ball to Cooks, and you know, they both teams are are operating at near full strength in terms of their pass games, and their defenses have been woeful, especially on deep balls. So, um, you know, I, I think that it's going to be a a fun one for sure. You want to talk like games that I'm obviously watching, but also will likely be on red zone a lot. I think this is certainly one of those. Yeah, and Deshaun Watson coming off of his biggest game of the season as well. I mean, this is uh, this is a game where we could see a lot of fireworks. It's not like uh, it's not like the Green Bay defense has been world beaters either. So I think both teams score quite a bit, but I think Green Bay puts it together and gets a big win here. I think every fire up everybody on that team, even Tanyan. I know that's your boy. Agreed. All right, let's go. I know. Hey, by the way, the over on this, love the over. Even with that huge number, I think it's the highest of the week. I still really like the over. Yeah, it looks like that and uh, the Arizona-Seattle game have the same number as well as Ooh. the Detroit-Atlanta game. So those three games all at 56 mm. and a half here on Bovada. All right, let's get to Ooh. Pittsburgh and Tennessee. This is the game that uh, we were supposed to see a few weeks ago. This is the first one that really knocked oh, yeah. uh, knocked us on our back with COVID. And uh, obviously things have rebounded across the league. You've had a few cases here and there. But this was the one that was rescheduled. This is the one that's shaken up schedules from fantasy perspective. But uh, – this is a big game. I mean, these are two of what is it? Three three undefeated teams left in the league, and these are these are two of them here. Uh, Pittsburgh mm-hmm. at Tennessee. The Titans really. I mean, the Titans were lucky to get away with the win, and it was really just Derrick Henry just running all over Houston over two hundred yards in that game. But the Titans actually home underdogs against the Steelers, both undefeated. I, I just I don't know how this one's going to play out because these are two very good defenses, but they've also been 
pretty uh, pretty solid uh, on offense as, as well. You have Ben Roethlisberger obviously playing well. You've got Chase Claypool, and you know he's getting all the guys involved there besides Juju Smith-Schuster, who's been had a, a significant down year. And then Tennessee gets A.J. Brown back from injury. He's looked really good, and obviously Derrick Henry is just one of the best. But uh, I, I don't know. This game, I don't know how to call it. I, I think the line, is, I, I'm a little surprised that the Steelers are favored, but I, I don't know. I, I, I see this one as pretty even, Anchi. What about you? I would have said definitely the Steelers, but Devin Bush being out is a big loss for them. And I mean, we'll see if Johnny Smith plays. I think that that's also a big factor, although they just plug in Anthony Ferkser and he blows up, obviously. So who knows, you know, whatever they're doing in Tennessee is is just working for them with Arthur Smith and Ryan Tannehill and um, obviously Henry. But like, yeah, I I mean, I I think this game, it's really going to depend on the health of, to me, of Johnny Smith, I think that that's a big pivot point because if he's out, I just think the Steelers are uh, right now. The Steelers are a very well-rounded team, regrettably, and you know, but they're they're just that good. Like I think that their their pass rush and their coverage and the way that they're passing the ball and the way they can run the ball and control the clock is it all just sort of is working for them. And um, you know, it's unfortunately it's tough for me to pick against them right now. Yeah, no, you're not wrong, and I think Bud Dupree has a shot at winning Defensive Player of the Year this year. I mean, he he's a problem for any offense, and if mm-hmm. he gets in Ryan Tannehill's face, I mean, Ryan Tannehill's been great, but he's made some mistakes, and this Tennessee team has they've they've been in a few close games that they probably shouldn't have been in, and recent, yes. as recently as last week. I mean, that game should never go to mm-hmm. overtime. They they it looked like they were going to lose it for much of the game. And they end up pulling it off. And I, I was saying this. My brother's a Titans fan. We were talking after the game about the, the trajectory of the Bengals game versus the Titans. The Titans are undefeated because they know how to win close games, where the Bengals mm-hmm. are the opposite. They don't. And I think that this will be a close game. And if the Titans can prove to me that they can win in a game against that good of a defense in a close game, then I think we're talking about the Titans as maybe the second-best team in the AFC behind the Chiefs. Yeah, I agree. I think that whoever wins this is – to me, the second and probably the loser might be the third best team, depending on how this game goes and the way the Ravens look. I, yeah, I think that it's a very fair commentary on that. I I just it's really hard for me for the reasons you brought up with the Titans to believe in them. Yeah, like again, which it makes no sense because they get all the way to the AFC title game last year. But there's just things about them that it just like weirds me out, you know, like that they're like giving up that many points to the Texans. I I don't like that they almost lost that game. And, you know, anyone could lose to the Texans because of Watson, because of that offense. But, you know, I, I just feel like that's a game that a really – I mean, it's great that they pulled it off, but I don't think of the Titans in that, that tier, if that makes sense, just yet. It's the AFC South, man. I think I mentioned I thought I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans <laughs> lost, and they really almost did. I mean, they should have. If it yeah. wasn't for Derrick Henry getting the ball first in overtime and just running all over them. He's unreal. He is. But the AFC South, it's just a mess. It's terrible. But they're, compare them to the freaking <laughs> NFC East. Like, I think the Titans have more wins than all the teams in the NFC East combined. Yeah, that was, that's accurate, even with the bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and COVID. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, you love it. All right, let's move on to the afternoon games. We'll start with a division that isn't pathetic. That's the NFC West. Seattle will go to Arizona. Arizona coming off of the big win on Monday night. They're three-and-a-half-point home dogs on Bovada. Seattle, I mean, is Seattle a top two or three team in the NFC? I think this is an opportunity to prove it here, aren't you? Yeah, and I mean, I think they are. I don't think they're as good as their record, obviously. Like, they should have lost to Minnesota. You know, they could have easily lost to the Cowboys. I I mean, they're not a perfect team by any means. Their defense is horrendous at times. But, you know, you get the feeling that they'll piece it together as the season goes on, especially if they have home games up there and, um, you know, I'm not impressed with what I saw of Arizona last game. I think that that's just a, a whatever. That's it's neither good nor bad in my mind. So, um, you know, I, I I think Seattle goes in there off the bye and and puts a pretty big hurting on Arizona. But I would love to see the Cardinals pull it off because they've been very Jekyll and Hyde this season. Yeah, no doubt. And I I, I think that it, it's probably in this game when you talk about fantasy. I mean, obviously there's a lot of fireworks on sure. both sides, but. Are we talking about the two best receivers in the NFL right now in DK Metcalf and, and uh, Hopkins? I, I, I think these are, in my opinion, I think these are the two best right receivers right now in the NFL. Who you would want to make a catch in clutch time, maybe Julio is still in that if he's healthy, but I think that the torch is certainly being passed to, to these guys. I mean, 
DeAndre Hopkins obviously nets a, a, a huge package in return in the trade. I don't know what the Tex- Texans were thinking. I know we talked about it after that <laughs> happened, but I mean, even the, even with the, the 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 light performance on Monday night, he had he did have the big catch that he almost ran in for a touchdown. But you, you see DK winning games in, in the, the Seahawks' last performance and making big catches every single game. Tyler Lockett has has really had a diminished role since DK has kind of taken over. But I I think they're the two best receivers in the NFL. I wouldn't argue with it. I mean, I, I think that there is an argument to be made where Michael Thomas, now that he's healthy, is back. Your, and, your you boy, Devontae. I mean, I love Devontae, but, yeah. you know, that, I, I think that the, you'd be very hard-pressed to, to find someone better, especially when you think of Russell Wilson with Metcalf. I mean, if, if you've got DK with somebody else, maybe it's not the same story, but because he's with Wilson, they're just so perfectly in tune with each other, and it's just... It's impossible to stop those two right now. So I, I think that you're you're definitely on to something. And and I do feel like Hopkins is perfect with Kyler too. So it's it should be a fireworks game. Another one here in, uh, in Arizona. Yeah, that's a fun one. All right, let's go to Jacksonville and the L.A. Chargers. Still still can't get used to saying that the Chargers. I mean, this is kind of a this is a it, a game that probably isn't going to catch a lot of people's attention. Obviously, Justin Herbert's been a story this year. Gardner Minshew was a fun story, but it seems like that story might be coming to an end. I mean, he's been absolutely terrible. He has eight turnovers uh, in these these, uh, these first few games of the season. Low, low over under at 49. The, the, the Jaguars seem frustrated. I wouldn't be surprised if Doug Marone isn't the coach of this team for much longer. I just mm-hmm. I, I think the Chargers cover. I, I Seven and a half. The Jaguars haven't shown me anything. To, to, to prove that they can hang with anybody these days. I mean, it's it's just a terrible situation there. Uh, they do have some fantasy some fantasy guys that you probably are going to start in your lineup. I mean, obviously, uh, James Robinson's still getting touches. He's getting 80 to 90% of the touches in the backfield there. And then DJ Chark, who's getting healthier. Uh, but I just – LaVisca Chenault's been, been better. I just mm-hmm. – outside of the, the fantasy storylines, I don't know what to think of Jacksonville. I think, they're, I think they're maybe the worst team outside of the Jets in the AFC. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. If you take out, you know, the Jets and the NFC East, I think the Jags are right there. But that being said, they can definitely, like, still score with people because, you know, you were talking about the players, and maybe they don't bring a lot of excitement, but they all those guys are startable. I mean, Chenault and, you know, and, and Chark and, you know, their leading receivers, Keelan Cole, and then they've also got Robinson and Minshew's just, you know, occasionally primed for a big performance. And so, you know, I, although – yeah, but then you go to the other side. I think this is probably my survivor pick, actually. I love the Chargers in this game. I agree that they cover this seemingly big spread because with Herbert, they just look like such a reinvigorated team. And I think they found something in Justin Jackson last week that they just weren't getting out of Joshua Kelly. And then, you know, I, Melvin Ingram designated a return. That's a huge, huge win for their defense. And I just, if you've got Chargers D, I love them this week. And I, I just... I think that like Keenan, or I'm sorry, Keenan Allen, and, and now Mike Williams too had a monster game when Keenan Allen went out last Monday night. So, I, yeah, I think that these Chargers are a, a really good survivor pick and a good bet against the spread. Yeah, and they're certainly better than their record would lead you to yes. believe as well. Obviously, they they Agreed. get the close win against the Bengals, but they've had a couple close losses that they easily could have won. Um, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think that you're going to see. Justin Herbert is probably, as it stands today, the offensive rookie of the year. This is a game where you need to come out and perform well because the Jaguars are horrible. And if you don't perform well against them, we're starting to question it again whether or not you're you're, you're in that position. So uh, good opportunity for the Chargers to get right. All right, let's go to the last oh, – well, two more 325 games here in Chicago, 425 Eastern. Kansas City and Denver. Denver coming off the big win against uh, New England. They're 10-point dogs, though, at home here on Bovada. Obviously, the Chiefs are always going to put up a big line here. Uh, but the, the number, the over-under is surprisingly low, in my opinion, 48 points on Bovada. I mean, even though the Broncos looked good against New England, I would expect the Chiefs to score. So I, I would assume the implication from, you know, these, these books in Bovada is that the Broncos are not going to be able to score. Yep, I think that's exactly right. I mean, the Broncos only score 18. Some of that, I believe, was a turnover six. And, you know, the Broncos, Big Fangio is a veteran defensive play caller. Maybe they feel like, you know, he's going to want to take the air out of the ball and just make this kind of like a, a low possession game. And that's why, you know, maybe they keep it close. And that's why the line's only 10 instead of what I would put at, which is like 13, even in Denver. And, um, 
you know, and, and I mean, that over under is low, but I, I still think that this feels like the classic, like 28 to 10 type of game. So I actually do like the under here, despite that number being weird for, to see for a Kansas City game. How much burn do you think uh, Le'Veon Bell gets here? Obviously, this is going to be his first game. He's not even going to be practicing until tomorrow or today, if you guys are listening to it when the episode comes out. So do you, I assume that they'll try to get him somewhat involved just to get him some looks. I, I would think that the following week against the Jets is when he'll really start to see some touches. But do you think that the Chiefs try to get him involved a little bit here early? I, I mean, I think it's a great time to start doing it, but I do think that you have to look at Mile High as being a factor in this and just like – not that he's not in game shape. I'm sure he is, but it's always a concern to play up there with, you know, especially with new players. And I don't know, I could see them really slow playing him here and then just basically letting him loose against the Jets against his former team next week. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's, uh, let's round out the three uh, games, three o'clock games here with the Niners and Patriots. I mean, this, this coming into the year, you, you would have probably been looking at this one as the game of the week. I don't know about the trajectory of either of these two teams. So an opportunity for both of them to prove something. The Patriots are home favorites, but only two and a half here on Bovada, aren't you? And I, I, I don't know what to make of this. These two teams have shown me so many different things this year. I just, I am, I'm completely at a loss for how to predict this one. Same. No idea. I mean, you could say, you know, Bill Belichick knows Jimmy Garoppolo better than anyone. But you could also say, like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo knows the Bills or the Belichick defense pretty well. I don't know. Like, I, I there's just there are no shortage of parallels and just weirdness going on in this game. I guess gun to head, I, I think that I'm betting the Patriots just because they were so weird last week, and I, I expect them to come back and kind of blow up a little bit. I'm just assuming Cam is going to look a lot better. But again, if he throws, as we started the show with talking about, if he throws like he did last week. It's it's not going to be a win for the Patriots. I mean, they're going to get beat and beat badly, I think. So um, the Niners are starting to round into form health-wise, but I I don't know. I just feel like the Patriots are going to find a way to get it done and keep it low scoring. Yeah, I mean, they are, but then you lose Raheem Mostert to a high ankle sprain. He's going to miss another three or four weeks. It's true. You, you do go mm-hmm. back to Jarek McKinnon. It, they should get uh, Tevin Coleman back here at some point. But, yeah, I mean, the Niners just cannot catch a break. Just when they get a few positions healthy, if they, they, they've suffered more injuries. And obviously they're not the only team to, mm-hmm. to be dealing with it. You'd look at the Eagles and, you know, really a, a lot of teams across the league are dealing with a lot of injuries. But nonetheless, I mean, they, they, they're still sitting in a position to, to, you know, potentially be talking about a, a playoff spot and still in the division race too. So it, it's a big, big game for both of these teams. And I think a lot of eyes will be on it in that, in that slot in the afternoon. All right, we've for got sure. two night games to round things out. We've got the Sunday night game between – Tampa Bay and Las Vegas. The Raiders have been much better than a lot a lot of people anticipated. Their offense has things working, and they are starting to get healthy as well. They should get rugs back. I think Brian Edwards has a chance to play this week. The Raiders mm. still home underdogs, three points here on Bovada. I I I think that you know, Anshu, what we saw out of Tampa Bay last week. I I don't know if they can replicate that. This is an interesting game to me. I think that this could be a little bit of a hangover game for the Buccaneers. I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders pull this out, but I've been wrong about the Raiders several times before. And they're a team that again is very hard to predict. I agree. I mean, I think that this could totally be a letdown spot for Tampa, especially after the way they looked. I mean, that was clearly a huge game for them. Their defense was flying all over the field. You could tell they were really amped up by the crowd that was allowed into that game. And I mean, I, I just I could see them going on the road here to Vegas and getting that classic Vegas hangover and, and, you know, just not pulling it off. And yeah, I'm with you. I have no like the Raiders are a complete mystery to me right now. Like they get beat by the Bills, they get blown out by the Pats and then they come back and beat Kansas City in Kansas City like that. That just doesn't make any sense to me. And, um, you know, like if they play like they did that game, I think that that's more reasonable to sustain than what the Bucks did, especially off the bye. So I think I'm with you. I don't I don't really get why there are three point dogs at home in this game because I don't think that much differentiates these two teams. Yeah, and I as much as the Buccaneers looked great last week with the defense, I still I, I'm not I'm not all the way there with Tom Brady yet in, in this mm-hmm. in this offense. I mean he does get a lot of the weapons back. You know, Godwin plays last week, Gronk gets involved, you know, Fournette should be back here in the next week or two. I just I don't know. I, I, there's so many weapons there, and he has not lit the world on fire. You you obviously had the meltdown against Chicago. I I I need to see because the Raiders' defense is not a, a very uh, you know exciting. 
I, mm-hmm. I, I need to see Tom Brady come out and have – I know he had the five-touchdown game, but I need to see him come out and have a big game in this one and get everybody involved. And I think there's an opportunity to do that. But if the Raiders come out and they beat Tampa Bay and they do it handily, I think we're back to thinking that maybe, you know, again, maybe Tampa Bay, it was a little bit of a fluke against against Green Bay. And you, you'll have mm-hmm. a lot of those games throughout the season. But this is one I could see happening and, and panning out that way. Yep, agreed. Agreed completely. All right, last game of the week. I know you love rounding things out by talking about your favorite team in the NFL, the Chicago Bears, aren't you? And Bovada's got the Rams as favorites at home. They're going to be uh, at SoFi Stadium, that beautiful new building out there in Los Angeles. Five-and-a-half-point favorites are the Rams. The Bears, you know, their defense has been good, but the run defense hasn't been great. I, I don't know. The Rams are another team, like we're talking about the, the Raiders and the Buccaneers. There's a lot of these teams that – you know, they show flashes, and, and I know you've been high on the Rams, especially coming into the season. I, I, I would assume that the Rams would beat the Bears, and the line suggests that they should. I, just, I wouldn't I, – I, the Bears have won so many games ugly. It's like if they do it again, are they actually good at that point? And I'm, <laughs> you, you have to give credit where credit's due. Like they've, they beat the Buccaneers. They've, they've, they've won difficult games. But I just I, – it's hard for me to believe that the Bears are actually good. But if they beat this Rams team on the road, I, I'm going to have to start thinking that they're actually a good team. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, they're 5-1. Five 5-1 and one. Five and one's 5-1 and one, no matter what. Like, I mean, they're not a good 5-1 and one team by any means. They're not a good team, period, in my mind. But, you know, I, I agree. Like, what their, their philosophy is clearly, like, let's rely on our defense. Let's run the ball. Let's – introduce as much variance as possible by making all these games low scoring and then just kind of like hope that we have something working late in the game they'll will out a win and that's literally what their philosophy has been i mean if you look at their games every single one of them has been like just an insanely close basically low scoring game right 23 to 16 at carolina 20 to 19 against tampa on that thursday night they lose 19 to 11 to the colts in a game that they were really just crushed in 30 to 26 against the Falcons, 17 13 against the Giants, 27 23 against the Lions. All those games, you know, yes, they scored 27 against the Lions, but, you know, all those games, you, I bet you can recollect every single one of them. And every single one of them was a weird ass, like backwards, kind of high variance game that either team could have won at the end. They won five of those. And, you know, to me, like the Rams are just a good team that. You know, yes, they're four and two because they've they've outplayed their opponent four out of six times. And you know, I'm generally gonna go with the team that does that rather than the team that's won five random games, basically. You know, coin flip type games. But if you keep winning close games, I think at some point that becomes your brand. You know, that becomes your mo. And look at the Titans. That's that's exactly exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think the Titans. You know their their quarterbacking is just so much better, and you That's know their fair. coach is an awesome coach. But I do think that there's you know the Bears defense is better than the Titans defense too. So it's just very interesting to see how the Bears are operating when every they're zigging when everyone else is zagging. You know, like I mean, every all the one of these other totals is in the mid fifties. This game, I think, is what forty five and a half. Yep, like so so low. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a your point's well taken, and I think it's totally fair to think of them as, as a legit team. But I'm not – I just don't – it just bothers my sensibilities that they are what they are in terms of record. Yeah, water finds its level. I mean – Exactly. I, I, I've been wrong about the Rams a few times this year. And, and you know, like the Niners, I, I just – there, there, there's inconsistencies there that you worry about, but they are a better football team than the Bears at pretty much every position. I mean, they have better playmakers on the defensive side of the ball outside mm-hmm. of outside of Khalil Mack, but the Bears, they figured out a way to get it done. And if they can do that again, and they can prove on the road going all the way to the West Coast that they can they can get it done and win the, in a close game, I have to become a believer at that point, even if my mm-hmm. mind is telling me that I shouldn't be. So I, I don't think they're going to win this game. I think the Rams cover. I think they... I could see them maybe embarrassing the Bears a little bit, especially coming off the mat after losing a game that they shouldn't have in the Rams, in my opinion, with the, with the Niners last week. But hmm. I, I, I just it, – it's one of those games. Like if I, – I've said this about so many teams so far this year. Like if, if they keep proving me wrong, I have to change my mindset on them. And even though I don't believe in Nick Foles and I, I, I just generally don't believe about – anything about this offense with the bears. I mean, they, they've, they've proven me wrong so far. And this is maybe one of the, the, the opportunities to, to, to right the wrong and just, just call it what it is. Maybe I am wrong about the bears, but mm-hmm. this week I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the Rams. I think they cover and win big. I'm, I'm with you completely. It's going to be the cam Akers game. 
Just kidding. Just kidding. I will say Cam Akers will no longer be on my roster if he doesn't get touches this week. That that I promise you. <laughs> All right, Anshu, we made it through week seven. That's a big slate. You know, we've we've got some big games on the on the weekend slate that we're going to be keeping an eye on. We are excited to see how things progress, and we'll keep you posted on all the big storylines that come from it on next week's show. Anything that uh, we missed that you wanted to touch on, aren't you? No, I, I think World it's, Series it's prediction. Be <laughs> I got the Dodgers. I, I'm not happy about it. I would love to see the Rays pull it off, but I think that the Dodgers are just a juggernaut. They are indeed. I think they win it pretty handily as well, even though I did pick the Rays pre-playoffs. I think the Dodgers have just been on a roll. The Braves had the chance to to, to kill the Giant, and they, they missed that opportunity. So mm-hmm. I, I agree Padres with you. too. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I just I don't see it happening at this point. But uh, it's it's been an interesting baseball season, to say the least. So, you know, yes. if it finishes the way that it was supposed to all along, maybe that something is getting right in the world, I guess. <laughs> that's true. Silver hey, you get Big Ten kind? football this weekend. Too. That should add another thing that's right in the world. Or there not. you go. Things are things are getting back to normal, and uh, the, case, <laughs> the cases of COVID are rising across the country. So, hey, <laughs> what world are we living in, anyway? All right, Anshu. Uh, for for Anshu Kana, I'm Josh Dunn. This has been the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour, which our times come to an end. We will see you guys next week for Week Eight preview. <laughs>